instead of a symbolic gesture of distrust, we've created a symbolic gesture of reinforced trust, mm. of built trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that finding ways to build that into business operations, into key business operations, like getting a key so you have 24-7 access to a building is actually kind of awesome because it's a desirable thing. It's something that people want. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and this week I want to talk about what it takes for people to feel safe in a coworking space. Something that I think a lot of us take for granted. For me, one of the guiding principles has been that I want this to be as comfortable as working from home, but better in some really important ways. The trouble is, is you've got people coming in with valuable equipment, uh, need for privacy and security in some cases, and how do you know that people are worthy of trust? How do you know that things are okay to be left out and when you get back from lunch, your valuable stuff will still be there, safe and sound, right where you left it? I don't think there's a foolproof approach to this, but I think there's a lot of approaches that people take that create a superficial sense of security, but don't actually solve the problem of knowing who's around and who's looking after your stuff. So in today's episode, I want to tell a little bit of the backstory that explains how we think about trust in an environment like Indie Hall and some of the systems that we've built right into the business process that help our members take the time to get to know each other, build trust, and become a human security system far more powerful than a camera because they're not just going to tell you what happened once something bad has happened. They're going to help you prevent something bad from happening in the first place. And this is a process that's been put in place in co-working spaces other than Indie Hall. It's actually one of my favorite things that spread outside our doors and other co-working spaces have found ways to implement within their communities. So let's start this off by talking about what it's like to walk into a co-working space where you're not sure if you're trusted and compare it to the signals that your members need to feel safe and secure. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thanks again for taking time out of your week to listen to the Coworking Weekly Show. It really does mean a lot to me, and I love hearing from all of you, your tweets, your emails. You can always reach out to me and tell me what you think about the show. I'm alex at IndieHall.org if you want to email me, or at Alex Hillman on Twitter. I'm really easy to find on the internet, and I genuinely do love hearing from you. So I'd love to hear what you think of this episode and any episode that you've enjoyed. And with that, let's get into today's show. I had a very interesting conversation with one of our members who was touring around a couple of different cities for business. And he was telling me a really interesting story about a co-working space that he walked into and a first impression that sort of shook him a little bit and made him go, oh, where am I? Upon saying, I'm here for the day, I would love to work with you, was met with, I'd like to see your credit card and ID, please which is a funny way to say hello, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand that this young person, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, was doing whatever job they were intended to do. However they were trained to do it. However they were trained to do it. But this first impression is very, very interesting. And I was thinking a lot about the signal that it sends when your first impression is, I want your credit card, I want your ID. It's just a transaction. I mean, it feels like a hotel. And I wonder, like, does that come from a place where people feel like that's part of a security procedure? Okay, I see. Like, what does having someone's ID actually do for you? It appears to me that this is a verification of the capability to trust. Right. Not even trust itself, but can I even trust you? You are a person. <laughs> like, all an ID really tells you is that you are a person. Yeah. 
It might tell you where that person is from. And this is ignoring all that, like, you can have a fake ID. You know, and maybe this co-working space has issues. Maybe the origin of this policy, because it's clearly a policy, yeah. comes from a easy way for them to weed out people. If people come in without an ID, they probably are somebody who's going to cause some kind of trouble. Either way, the first interaction is we're not sure if we can trust you. Uh, the reason I bring this up is I, I've been thinking a lot about the questions that we get about security at a place like Indie Hall. And one of the questions that we get from somebody who maybe they're visiting for the day and they'll say, I'm going to lunch. Is it cool to leave my stuff out? All the time. And, you know, I, th I that never ceases to be interesting to me uh, because under the, under the subtext, people seem like they're asking, I want to be okay with leaving my stuff here. Am I okay with leaving my stuff here? And what's interesting is how few environments actually allow for you to respond with a yeah absolutely and what does it take to actually make somebody feel secure the fact that somebody would even ask the question the first time suggests i feel comfortable enough to even consider leaving my stuff here mm -hmm. but i'm looking for a little bit of affirmation from you that my stuff will actually be safe you know, when i think about the framework of my day when i come to indie hall on the subway I absolutely will not leave my things unattended and I don't necessarily think I could turn to someone that I don't know next to me and say, would you mind just keeping an eye on this? The same goes for when I leave Indy Hall and I go to the gym, which is in the same neighborhood, just a block away. I feel the same way about my things at the gym. So Indy Hall, my presence of, of just being here, keeping my things here is an anomaly for every other experience that I have in the same neighborhood, in the same city, in the same 24 hours. I go back to this situation, this interaction, asking a, a complete stranger, first thing you ask them when they walk into a co-working space is for their ID. That seems like scar tissue from when something bad happened. There was theft, there was a, a problem with people coming in to, maybe they were there to, to sell or to pitch. I don't, again, I don't know what the problem was, but the way that somebody decided to address the problem was, well, we'll just ask everybody for an ID when they come in the door. Yeah, yeah. It seems kind of like the laser grid approach. <laughs> Something happened at some point in time that made us nervous about people who are going to come in here. So let's install a laser grid <laughs> with a retina scanner or something like that, right? Yeah. So for a long time at Indy Hall, you were able to get a key, which, by the way, was a physical key, like an actual metal key that granted you access to the building and the way you got a key was you signed up for full-time membership that was it just as easy as that just as easy as that you came in and said i want to be a full-time member of indy hall you paid a deposit which our model is one month equal to whatever level of membership you're signing so you pay essentially an extra month of membership that's your deposit and now you can start coming in 24-7. And we, we actually, the only reason we even tied it to full-time membership is because it was the only membership where we didn't have to track attendance. Mm. So I didn't have to worry about if you had 24-7 access, you'd come in on weekends. I don't have to worry about those counting towards your days and being somehow inequitable. It's just if you're here full-time, you could be here anytime you want. When we grew into our second location, our larger location, we continued essentially the same model. We had another building that had a physical key access system, and we were on the second floor in both of these cases. So I think that was a part of it as well. I think for folks who have a, st a storefront entrance where people can just walk in off the street any time they want, I can see a different set of challenges, but we continue to grow. 
People continued to get full-time memberships, get keys. Everything was going great. And during a big growth spurt, we noticed some interesting things starting to happen. And I say interesting in, in the less savory kinds of ways. The euphemism way. Uh, where you know, somebody would post and say, hey, has, did, any, did somebody borrow my... My mouse, my you know, the uh, Apple Magic Mouse had just come out. Somebody borrow my Magic Mouse, which was really expensive. It was like an eighty dollar mouse. <laughs> yeah. So like strange to borrow one, and and again, while we're a close knit community, and sometimes people do borrow things, people generally ask, uh, and it's even stranger for it just to go completely missing. So you know the mouse goes missing, and then another small piece of electronics. It was like lots of small electronics. It was real strange. And for the first time, I felt this sort of pain in my gut where my mind went to all of the places that I could blame. Yeah. I realized that that was not productive. So we ended up figuring out who was responsible for these things that had gone missing. So my goal number one was to remove this person from the situation with as little damage inflicted as possible. Mm -hmm. But the next step was even harder, which was the fact that I had to go back to our community and say, we know who was responsible for taking these things. And it was somebody who you've seen around here. And for me, the few thousand dollars worth of small electronics that had been taken is painful. Like that sucks. But nothing sucks more than the breach of trust and the sense of, well, wait a second. Who's the next person who steals something going to be? Is it going to be someone who's already in the room? Is Do we have to worry about every new person who walks in the door? And that anxiety was worse than really anything I could possibly imagine us going through as a group of people who relied on trust to get us up into the point that we were. The only thing that could be worse than all of this happening is the community finding out that we had kept it behind closed doors. Yeah, that's right. So we called a, a community town hall where we explained, this is the information that we know. I'm not playing judge here, we're not playing jury. What this is about is, how do we operate going forward? I don't know if you remember, I just mentioned that this happened sort of on the heels of a growth spurt. Yeah, that's right. We, we were gaining lots of members fairly quickly, and something happened in that growth spurt. Lots of unfamiliar faces, lots of things changing. You know, it was not unusual to see an unfamiliar face. And it was in that window of time that people forgot the most important step, the introduction. Going over and say, hey, what's up? I'm Alex. This is why growth spurts are really challenging for co-working spaces because even when your community is very tight-knit, I would say especially when your community is very tight-knit, large influxes of new people becomes kind of overwhelming for, yeah. for all the folks that are already part of your community. Yeah, I, I imagine a room of a small amount of people and it's very easy to say hello to each of those people. And the more people fill up that room, Suddenly, I don't know who all is in this space. So it's it's really, really easy for me to understand how that could happen over time. I've experienced that here now. We have fail-safes. We have fallbacks. We have ways of reminding ourselves that that is not something that we can do for a period of time. The problem here is not so much that things were stolen, that theft has become an issue. The problem is, is that we stopped looking out for each other long enough for theft to become an issue. Did you recognize that out the gate, or did it take some getting to? It, it didn't take a lot of sleuthing. Every person that I talked to was commenting on, well, with all these new people, people recognized there was not really a system in place for people to acknowledge who was worthy of that trust. Did everyone have an easy time unanimously deciding we have to approach 
the culture, the the systemic, the the root of the issue, or my hunch is some people would say, well, let's just lock the doors, let's stop taking new members, let's react to this person. Yeah, there was a bunch of conversations about uh, security cameras and new security systems and yeah. things like that, and I'm not opposed to those things completely. I have concerns about them. But the issue with all of those things is all they do is tell you who did something wrong after it happened. Mm. They're not really preventative measures. I'd still prefer knowing that there is a social security system in place, something that has all of the eyes and ears, rather as many eyes and ears as possible in the room, helping people to know, hey, you're being looked after. Which also means if you're thinking about being a culprit, people have their eyes on you. Yeah. Like we're all looking after our own stuff and each other's stuff. It's so much more powerful than there's a camera rolling and we can go back to the tapes if we need to. Yeah, yeah. So you have a town hall. You get together with everyone who's a member. Some people are shook. Some people have ideas of what should happen or what they think should happen. And we have a conversation about how to curb being a stranger in the space. The first thing we did was we put in a 30-day waiting period to get a key, which seemed obvious in hindsight. The fact that you could walk in the door, sign up, pay, you know, around $600 and have a key to this building and everyone's stuff in it is a little insane. It sort of sublimates steps. Yeah. And that 30-day is something we still use to this day. Sure is. And that 30 days is more than anything. And we communicate this at the start and we do today that this is not us just waiting for the clock to run down. That 30 days is a period of time for you to get to know some of the other people who are here during the day. But also, there's an opportunity for you to figure out this place that you're going to be a part of. And the other expectation we set is key holdership also comes with some extra responsibilities. So that 30-day period is sort of a, it's a two-way acclimation. You get to sort of get a feel for what's going on here. We get a feel for you. And I have yet to see somebody get to the 30 days and us say, you know what, I think you need another 30 days. That doesn't really happen. At the end of those 30 days, we can begin a process. You need to get signatures from three other existing key holders that say, I've gotten to know you and I trust you to become a fellow key holder. Mm -hmm. And that is meaning I'm trusting you with not just granting access to this place after hours, nights and weekends and things like that, but also that together we're going to keep an eye on this place, not just our own stuff, but each other's stuff and a slightly heightened sense of awareness. We will be a part of the crew that takes care of it. Everyone is a part of the crew that takes care of Indie Hall, but by having a key, it's not just a privilege. It's some extra responsibility to look after things, whether it's first thing in the morning if you're the first one in, closing up at the end of the night if you're the last one out, making sure that you know everything is turned off. But also just during the day, being on the lookout for who's around you. What's happening? Is everything okay? Is something not okay? If something's not okay, who can you turn to? And knowing all of those things, having that slightly heightened sense of responsibility that comes with key holdership starts with those three signatures. And the fact that those signatures do not come from me or you, Adam, or Sam, or any of the core team, these are fellow members, I think sends a very strong message in both directions. You're like, wow, it really is my peers who get to be a part of this decision. This is actually a group of people who look after things. So it, it reinforces a message that we've been saying since the person came in for their very first tour. And then in the other direction, for someone who is 
giving a signature, it's a reminder of, hey, someone signed off on you, so you're about to do that for somebody else. All those things that you signed off agreeing to do when you became a key holder, you're now bestowing that on somebody new. And one of my favorite things about this is it's become a point of pride, not just to become a key holder, but to sign someone else into key holdership. It is a passing of the torch. It is a welcome to the club. It goes one step beyond I'm a member of Indie Hall, which is already a pretty awesome club to be acknowledged as a part of. Yeah, in and of itself, it's kind of a ceremony. And I've always liked that aspect of it in that it feels like you're being inducted into something by the members of the thing. And we at least have that amount of faith in you. That we think that there are people here who would be willing to vouch for you. And if not, I think the people this is hardest for the people who are, are shy or self-described as an introvert. Mm -hmm. And I look, I get it. I respect that. If you're someone who's better one-on-one, -on -one, then maybe one of the things you can do is saying, hey, I'm about to become a key holder. I would like to know some other key holders. Anybody want to go get lunch with me? Yeah. And that's really all it takes. I mean, my expectation is not that somebody does a background check or somebody you know, finds out somebody's life story, it's that you shared a meal and sort of got a sense of who each other are. That's really all it takes to have the understanding that I think we're capable of looking after each other. I've always thought the 30 days is part of that too, in that it permits a pace that is custom to the way that you work, socially speaking. So if you are not a boundless extrovert, uh, and you, you bust into a room and you make friends with every person near you. Uh, if you need a little more time, which is totally normal and expected as far as I'm concerned, um, you have a month just spending time near one another, being present with one another, going to lunch, going to show and tell, hanging out at night, doing night owls, just being a member of the community at your pace. Yeah, sometimes it takes much longer than 30 days. Again, th there's not a right or a wrong speed of which to become a part of any community. So I think the best thing that we've learned to do is guide people along the process, let them know that we're here for support, but also other people are here for support. The fact that people will champion you in becoming a key holder, it's not a barrier. We could have created it like a barrier, like the give me your ID so I can photocopy it or whatever was going to happen when mm -hmm. our member handed his ID to that, that person at the front desk. Instead of a symbolic gesture of distrust, we've created a symbolic gesture of reinforced trust, mm. of built trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that finding ways to build that into business operations, into key business operations like getting a key so you have 24-7 access to a building is actually kind of awesome because it's a desirable thing. It's something that people want. Sometimes it's an opportunity for us to encourage people to do something that is in their best interest, is in the entire community's best interest, but they wouldn't necessarily go out of their way to do on their own. So by the barrier that we've created is not one of a false sense of security, but instead one that is a reminder of these are the ways in which you actually are secure. These are the things that you need to do in order for all of us to feel a little bit safer. Consistently reinforcing that as part of a business process is one of the most powerful tools that we've ever built for ourselves. We're always looking for new ways to do that. The keyholder process has changed over time. When someone gets a key, when they get their three signatures and they have their sheet filled out, I give that person 
a new tour of Indie Hall, where we walk through the space and we look at a lot of the same things that the member has probably already seen before, I would hope anyway, and we look at it under a new light. And one of the first things that I say is, this place is now your home. And we would hope that you would treat it like you would treat your home. And you would lock it when you're not here and you would look out for windows and lights that are on. And more important than any of those things, you know, we, we can stand keeping some overhead lights on overnight. That's not the end of the world. But more importantly, the reason why this is like your home is if you see someone in your home that you don't recognize, it's your responsibility to find out who that person is. I think the thing that people who, whether you're setting up a brand new co-working space or you've got an existing co-working space that's growing, is for you to be thinking about what signals do you send from that very first impression? Stranger walks in off the street. Are they met with something that says, hey, welcome, we're glad you're here? Or are they met with something that says, I'm not sure if I trust you? Because there's nothing that will close somebody off faster than being met with something that says, I don't think I trust you. Meanwhile, the converse is equally an opposite true, that a beginning with a gesture of trust, hey, welcome home, make yourself comfortable, let me show you around, sends a signal of this is a place where people are warm and welcoming and that this whole place is for you, but we do it together. That's on the first impression side of things, but also for the folks that are, that are growing. As you get bigger, look, problems are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are going to happen. And honestly, in a lot of ways, a theft could be one of the best worst things that could happen. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot way worse than a few thousand dollars of electronics going missing. But every time I've seen somebody respond to something bad, like a theft, with something that says, all right, community, that sucked. But rather than let it f- divide us further apart and distrust each other more, let's use it as an opportunity to bond together a little bit more, to remind ourselves that this place works because we look out for each other. The same reason we come here, which is we do our best work when we are surrounded by people who we think are looking after us. It's like being in a neighborhood, right? You go in a neighborhood, what neighborhoods feel great? What neighborhoods feel safe? When neighborhoods feel like a place that you're looking forward to go back to. It's places where there's neighbors out on their front porches saying, smiling and saying hello. Yeah. Or when you pass somebody on the sidewalk, they smile and say hello. Yeah. Where you see a mix of familiar faces among the new ones. Mm-hmm. I think if we think about our security in our co-working spaces, a bit more like the way neighborhoods approach things like town watch. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, you could put up cameras, fine, and that'll help the police find the bad guys. But wouldn't it be better if the bad guys didn't even bother because they knew there was always eyes on the street? Yeah. Because they knew that people around here looked after each other? That's way better. Way, way better. And it's easy to forget that as you grow. It's easy to forget that stuff as you scale, as bad stuff happens, to build scars on top of that. Scars in the form of policies and form of careless words and gestures, things that protect and prevent instead of encourage and embrace. I think it's one of the biggest challenges that we face as we grow. And at the same time, it's the kind of thing that I'm so thankful that we started small and grew because we could get a sense of, A, that this stuff is even possible. I think there's a lot of people listening to us right now that are like, that sounds great, guys. Impossible. You've created an anomaly. And it's not impossible. The thing is, is we don't treat this stuff as policy. Policy is the result of reactions. Mm -hmm. We can tell the story of why it's in place. It's not 
policy. It's here to help people do the thing that is in their best interest as well as the community's best interest because those things are not always obvious. So we sort of do the work to line all those things up and say, we're going to make it easy for you to know that through steps one, two, and three, if you complete them, good things are going to happen. You've just removed a barrier. You've just created an opportunity simply by following a couple of steps. Plenty of people before you have, and when you become a key holder, and then in three or six months, somebody else comes on board, and they're ready to get their key holder form signed, you can remember how nervous you were, or how excited you were, and how good it felt to have somebody that you've spent the last few weeks or months getting to know say, hey, welcome to the club. Great opportunities for that, and really, really good things follow. I have this song, I Got the Keys, by DJ Khaled, stuck in my head, so we should sign off. Are we going to make a tradition of <laughs> some bizarre non sequitur? I think so. Yeah. Only because I have to say it out loud to purge it from my brain. <laughs> All right, gang, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope you're feeling inspired and confident and ready to just take on the day. And I was wondering if you would be willing to share this episode. Uh, share it on Twitter, Facebook, email it to a friend or a coworker, uh, maybe a boss or a mentor, a neighbor, a friend, anyone that you think would benefit from hearing the reminders that we shared in this episode. Uh, we have a bunch of awesome stuff in store for the show coming up, stuff that's more interactive, new kinds of guests, and a whole lot more. So I'd love your help inviting more people to get involved in the Coworking Weekly show. So you know, pick one person, just one, uh, and send them this episode. And if it's not this episode that has you super inspired, maybe there's another episode that you'd rather share instead. Either way, I'm so thankful for you taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I love hearing from you. I love reading your reviews on iTunes. And it would mean the world to me if you got just one new person listening to the Coworking Weekly show. So help us get the message out there. And I look forward to hearing from you and meeting all of your friends as well. Have a great week. And I'll see you next time on the Coworking Weekly show.